you could you could be more aggressive in startups and trading back. Like maybe maybe use your first two rounds, draft two quarterbacks. Boom, you're locked in. You can feel it. You can drag. You can make your roster trade. Then trade three, four, and five round picks back. Pick up a first with each one. Then pick up a sixth and seventh or something. Like, so you got six, seven, eight picks in those two rounds. And go crazy. We don't hate players. We hate prices. Bro, you're a hater. Might be. You're a hater. Welcome back to the Dynasty Digest, where we give you a consumable dynasty perspective. I'm Jake, joined as always by Tim. It's an off week for us, and by off week for us, I mean it's a keep trade cut cut week, and we get to tell you where they're off. So while we're doing that, you guys already know I'm going to roll this intro. You already got you know I'm going to give you a little spiel, but I got to do it anyway. It's my job. I get paid for this sometimes. Thanks, Wyatt. <laughs> um, but guys, we're on a journey for 2,500 subscribers. Help us get there by the NFL draft. We got the combine coming up here soon. The draft's right around the corner. So help us get there. Because otherwise, my kids aren't going to eat this weekend. I don't have any kids. Welcome. You're listening to JWB Fantasy Football. Thanks for listening. It's our Keep Trade Cut show, like I just said. So we're going to start it off with some heat. So, Tim, start it where you want to start it. Is it your buy? Is it your sell? What's it going to be? I like to start out positively. So I want to start with my buy this week. My buy is going to be Cooper Cup. He is on keep trade cut 95th overall. You know what that means? The 811 in startups. That is ridiculous. Wide receiver 37. So he's not even a top three wide receiver con- considered by the community. I can't understand this at all. So I understand that he was uh, injured last year. He had, he had some sl- slowdowns, but he also had like uh, at least one week where the points didn't represent what his actual performance was because he dropped a long touchdown. Now, I have to be honest, I didn't see every Rams game, so I don't know if this is also something we've seen in other games this year. But I think it's way too early to be giving up on Cooper Cup. He's only finishing up his seventh season, so I, I still think there's a lot of gas left in the tank. Yeah, you can say he's older, but the punishment's way different in the NFL compared to college. So I'm not really worried about the age as he's mm. just hitting age 30. And the fact he's such a good route runner I think there's going to be a place for him in the NFL for a long time. And we know what he does with great volume. Um, he just puts up a bunch of points. So even like even this year when in his down year, he's had weeks of 19, 27, 15, 25, 25, 10, and 12. So it's not like he's dead. He definitely gives you weak winning upside week to week. And now an under a wide receiver three price tag. Are you kidding? I'm scooping this guy everywhere. Yeah, I mean, I'm fully on board. Um, so just um, on the drop thing, he had three drops all year. So like a rare thing doesn't really happen for him. But I, I'm I'm fully on board with this. Like, yes, Puka Nakua has come out. Absolute stud. Top, top five dynasty wide receiver for a lot of people, including myself. But Cooper Cup only played 12 games, right? So he missed five games, essentially, of the season. And that's not to mention the fact that you know, he had one game where he only uh, he I think he I can't remember if he left early with injury um, and then played the next week. But that's including one game with only 33 percent of the snaps. So his points per game was still a top 24 wide receiver in football. As you already mentioned, with the point scoring, he had three top five weeks on the year like that's there's guys that are in the top 20 who including one that I'm going to talk about who barely have that many top five weeks on an entire season and 
we still got to talk about what this guy pays for. So let's let's pull up a calculator real quick. So if we just take the games, uh, let's actually subtract one. I'm not going to count the injured game just because that's an outlier and doesn't really, you know, isn't really representative of what a, a player is capable of. So if we take his 94 targets outside of those games and we divide that by 11, he's still averaging eight and a half targets a game. Is that as good as it used to be? No. But the guy still has a 25.6% target share. He still has a 30, almost 32% target share in the red zone. His target rate and target share are identical, which means it's not an impact of not running as many routes or um, you know, only being used in specific packages. Like this guy's still running 94% of the routes. He's running uh top 15% of the routes out of the slot. Uh, over half of his routes are out of the slot. Um, not a seventh in total overall snap share um amongst wide receivers. Like a lot of the underlying metrics for this guy are still really, really good. He was still, you know, 2.0 yards per out run right on the dot. So still meeting those efficiency metrics that we look at. But he's he's pacing, you know, eight and a half targets a game. Um, let me get the yardage for that game. 11 yards. Don't have to subtract a whole lot. Love that math for me. Um, so if we subtract his 737 receiving yards minus that 11, that's what, 726? And we divide that by 11. We still get 66 yards a game. Now, that may not sound like super appealing to a lot of people, but if you multiply that by 17, that's still 1,100 yards. And in 12 games, he had five touchdowns. So assume he gets you know a few more, especially with that red zone target share and Matt Stafford. And as this offense takes another jump with Puka being a second-year wide receiver, then potentially getting a tight end that is, I don't know, capable of playing football consistently, um, we can expect those tight, those touchdowns to jump back up. But like you're going to tell me that you're going to be mad at a wide receiver with, you know, so again, we'll do just one last piece of math. So 58 receptions divided by 11. Um, so he averaged 5.2 per game times that by 17, 90 receptions, 1200 yards and six touchdowns. We're going to be mad at that. As we're going to, I shouldn't even say we're going to be mad at that. We're going to price that as a barely top eight round startup pick. God. What are we doing? Guys, if you're if you're doing a startup, I understand wanting as many young players as possible, but there's a very effective way to capitalize on youth and still take advantage of the talent that is out there. Your first call it five picks, make some aggressive upside swings at young talent. And then after that, just take the good players that fall. You have a productive team year one. If you want to move for some future capital, you have assets that you can move for future capital. If you end up not being a playoff team for whatever reason, you have young assets that are going to continue to hopefully grow in the NFL and continue to succeed. But you're also competitive year one. There's, like It's called a productive struggle for a reason. Like, yeah, it may not work, but it also may win you a championship year one. You get your you get seven years of your league fee investment back minimum in most cases. And you have now you have time to play around and and really build the young team that you want because you're going to be able to do that frequently. And Cooper Cup's only thirty; like he's not old. Sure, he's NFL old, but like the guy is in better shape than half the receivers in the league that are younger than him. I don't know. I I love Cooper Cup. If you can tell, not counting the game in which he went, he didn't play for the full set of snaps. His lowest target number in any game was six. We look for seven, so it it's just below that seven mark, but that's his lowest target target total of the season. As well, 
Uh, I think you could even be more aggressive in startups in trading back. Like maybe, maybe use your first two rounds, draft two quarterbacks. Boom. You locked in. You can feel Mm -hmm. good. You can brag. You can make your roster all pretty. Then trade three, four, and five rounds picks back. Pick up a first with each one. Maybe pick up a sixth and seventh or seventh and eighth. So you got six, seven, eight picks in those two rounds and go crazy because you're going to be able to pick up vets for nothing. We were just talking about Joe Mixon's RB29. Like that's a starter where you can. You can go and get players that are actually productive. Maybe mixing mixing could go either way with people's preferences. But when you're going and getting a guy like Cooper Cup, who gives you that upside, gives you a floor where you don't maybe not have the prettiest roster, but you could probably compete year one with a bunch of vets that are discounted. And if you're in a decent draft position, when you're making those trade backs, like you're talking about, you could start a draft like... I'm going to get aggressive a little bit on the the second quarterback that you take there, but you could go like Stroud party, take three rounds off and still walk away with your wide receivers are going to be Stefan Diggs, Devonte Adams, Mike Evans, Cooper cup, even like, yeah, let me do some, I got to do. I hate doing And math. if you move those picks, Debo, three additional first. Yeah. Debo cup, Christian Kirk, you have three future firsts. Mix in a couple running backs in there. Get yourself like a, I mean, running back values are disgustingly free right now. Get yourself a Josh Jacobs, David Montgomery, Alvin Kamara. Pollard's 107. So what is that? 11th round? Yeah. Aaron Jones is 13 or is 138. Okay. You get yourself a, a guy who's in line for running back one value yet again, who when healthy is still one of the best running backs in football. You're getting him outside of the top 12 rounds. Or right, you know, in the middle of the 12th round, I should say. Like, there's so much value that you can soak up. And the offseason startups are the best time to just soak up veteran value because it's all over the board. So Cooper Cup is, is a perfect example of that. But even if you don't do that, right? And, then, and Keep Trade Cut has some rookies mixed in, so I'm just going to name some rookies that are equivalent value. Uh, Troy Frank Franklin excuse me, Michael Penix, then um, some some vets. We have Najoku, Montgomery, Swift, Romeo Dobbs. All these guys are within 10, or I'm sorry, Dobbs is within 12 of Cooper Cup. So they're all within striking striking distance. And if there's a team that's like, I got to give up on Cup because I got to restart my, 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 restart my build, and it's like, okay, I'll take that. And production. I can give you Romeo Dobbs and uh, 211 and get Cooper Cup. Or less. I'm doing it every time. Every- if this is if this is what the market is being reported as, you probably can pay less than a first for him, and it might be what a mid second. Yeah, like it. People or I should say the, the the reporting of what people think about Cooper Cup is that they're disgusted, and Clearly. almost all older wide receivers. Uh, uh, Chris Godwin is wide receiver 41. Or if you want to even look at this, I'm not even a fan of this guy, but Najee. Najee is a uh, 108 RB20. We're looking dubs into rounds. Or no, it's end of the ninth, excuse me. Yeah. So, yeah. We're doing a lot of math this episode. This is getting hard on our brains. Close to the 10th round that you can get Najee. So, and then Powers behind him, you know. So there's just so Keenan Allen, wide receiver 44. Like this is just ridiculous. So I'm looking at at buying vets. Maybe Cooper Cup was just my um 
uh, my my lightning rod for this entire yeah, it was the, this entire he, segment. He, he was but, the light bulb turning on where it's like, look at all of the veteran value. It's just it's insane to me. Oh, Marquise Brown, wide receiver, 48, 128th off the board. So there's just so much opportunity. To just move back. Uh, go get yourself some, some veterans that are going to produce. And yeah, Hollywood had a bad season last year, but he was hurt. The same way we can make the argument about a bunch of other players that didn't perform to certain levels. Hollywood's got to fall inside of that he, bucket. He was and hurt, he can, and Kyler wasn't there. Yeah. Pretty he much can the most entire likely time. Pick his destination this offseason. Yeah, and, and or, or he stays in Arizona, and we get to tie him to a top five quarterback. And everybody likes to like Gabe Davis was a top eighteen wide receiver just because he was tied to Josh Allen for a minute. Like he's white, he's no longer tied to Josh Allen. Nope. <laughs> Something he's else. Very too. done with that offense. I've uh, I've. I, not on purpose, but like each year I try to kind of figure out trends or things that I'm seeing in the NFL. And I've been, I've been pretty steadfast and pretty correct on a lot of them where you should have been trading up quarterbacks the last couple of years that defenses were really going to bring scoring down, especially for the quarterback position that happened. What I think is going to happen next year, based on the box and triangles of cover sixes and in the way that even cover nines play things like that. I think that perimeter speed wide receivers are going to be very much um, in vogue next season. And I don't mean this just for Hollywood. I'm just yeah. saying in general, because uh, either you have to the rookie class too. Like that is the bread and butter of this upcoming rookie class. Yeah, I can see that too. But like either you have to be able to beat the safety outside where you can create uh, distance or I should say separation deep, or you have to really be able to manipulate the linebacker. So play action is going to be really important. That's one of the reasons why Philly suffered so bad in the end of the season. The linebackers were not biting on their play action whatsoever. And then the opposite safety, depending on where the linebacker is supposed to be um, assigned, pays attention in case there's crossers and things like that. So if you can create pressure with an outside speed receiver, I think it's going to do a lot to change how defenses can play next year or be effective next year. Right. So I think that there's going to be a, a, a there's going to be a desire from a lot of teams to go out and try to find themselves a guy that can really bust a game open just for the fact that they need that threat to push push certain defenses backwards to create space in the middle. So the, for them to be thought of as a threat, they're going to have to get targets. So f- for me, I'm just kind of looking around. But that's I think that's where I'm going to put my flag on this year with what I'm seeing with def- with uh, trending NFL stuff. But that being said, go buy yourself some vets. They don't cost you anything. Yeah. Speaking of players who don't cost what they should, I you actually think the guy I'm going to talk about here is my buy for the week is... The market on keep trade cut is about what you would pay for this guy, but I still think he's extremely undervalued, especially in comparison to the pick range that he's being valued at for keep trade cut. And that's a guy who was a lot of people's 101 last year. At worst, maybe they're 103. And that's Bryce Young. The market has soured on Bryce Young probably faster than I remember the market souring on a young quarterback in recent memory. Like Trey Lance came out didn't play was still a top five round startup pick was still going uh, for multiple firsts in any trade that you were doing like this, like maybe the Trey Lance experience soured people on younger athletes, but Bryce young, I know year one was bad, but I think everybody with eyeballs knew it was going to be bad. Like there was one guy on Twitter who I won't give any more credit or fame to whatever you want to call it exposure to other than the few quote tweets that I've done about how bad he is at identifying NFL talent. 
But he was like, Bryce Young will cover up the issues in an offense. And that very clearly wasn't true. But Bryce Young is currently priced on keep trade cut as quarterback 20. Let me make sure. I'm, yeah, quarterback 20. 71st player off the board. While I don't necessarily think that startup value is super wrong, you know, that's that's mid fifth round. Like it's not it's not a terrible price for like price for him startup wise. It's really the trade acquisition cost for me where Bryce Young is nearly equal to the 110 in super flex leagues. What are you getting at quarterback at the 110 that is more valuable than a 22 year old starting quarterback? who's in the NFL, basically guaranteed a starting spot for at least three years, if not four or more. Like Kenny Pickett is still going to get a chance to start in the NFL, and we watched him be garbage for, what, three years now? I'm counting college, so maybe seven years we've watched Kenny Pickett be garbage. But we've watched <laughs> Bryce Young not be garbage in college. And, yes, he struggled year one. A lot of that, you know, we're, we're talking about a guy who was pressured at an extremely high rate. Um, we're talking about a guy who – performed not far off of league average when under pressure it was really just the fact that when you're throwing to the corpse of adam thielen the corpse of dj chark the corpse of hayden hurst the like there was no talent around this guy like the the most exciting potential wide receiver there was jonathan mingo who instills excitement in maybe seven people across the entire country like there's just there was no hope for this offense going into the season. And that's why Bryce Young for me was always a guy I was interested in buying later. And this is a prime opportunity for it. The 110 for Bryce Young, the 110 in rookie drafts, if you're going to target another quarterback, is what? Michael Penix Jr., who is going to be 24 in his rookie year, has like nine severe injuries on his resume, both of his ACLs, both of his shoulders. He broke his ribs, I think, during uh, the, the final uh, playoff game in college. Bo Nix, who is just not that good. Like he's again, 24 years old. He's played six years in college. And that's the only reason he's getting any recognition whatsoever. Cause if he tried to declare when Bryce young declared, he would have been laughed out of the draft. He might not have been drafted or if he was drafted, it was going to be a sixth or seventh round pick, or you're taking a shot on JJ McCarthy, who is younger, is a good athlete. I do think he has a lot of upside, but it's just riskier than probably what you should take on two of those quarterbacks I mentioned, like I said, are going to be 24 years old this upcoming NFL season. Bryce Young is currently 22. Won't be 23 by the time the league year starts. And by the time, you know, games are being played, he will not yet be 23 years old. And yes, it wasn't phenomenal, but there's still a lot of hope to have with Bryce Young. There's a reason he had the prospect profile that he did. There's the reason there's a reason he was the number one quarterback off the board in the NFL. Even if I disagree with that, the NFL has shown that they will give number one picks chance after chance after chance to be successful in the in the league. And with Bryce Young for the 110, what other good starting good young starting quarterback are you going to get for the 110? I think the youngest player in a similar range is Jared Goff, who's what, 29? Like, there's just, there's no better value than young quarterbacks because if you pay the 110 for Bryce Young and he turns it around this year with an entirely new coaching staff, an offensive coordinator that has shown an ability to, or a, I should say, a head coach that was able to revive the career of a, a, another young, once forgotten quarterback. Like there's so much upside around Bryce Young that the 110 price is so cheap that it's 
it's a it's a pick that has high value because it has the first round name in it. But realistically, like that's a high end dart throw. And if I can take the high end dart throw, why not take the high end dart throw on a younger guy, a, a great athlete who, yeah, is a little bit smaller, but there's all the upside in the world. Even if the best that Bryce Young becomes is Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy was like a top 10 dynasty quarterback like two weeks ago. And the only reason I keep trade cut, he's not is because they put the rookies in there and rookie hype is already in full swing. So I don't know. He, he sucked last year. I don't think there's any question about that, but I have enough reason to believe in Bryce Young moving forward that the 110 is a null investment for me. Like sign me up. That's about where I fall is we're on the 110 or I, you know, I would prefer to move a later pick, but I'm I'm of the 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 side that I thought Bryce had some issues processing his last year in, in, in college and he was laid on some reads, but he was a great leader, ice in his veins. No no situation was too big for him. My feeling on Bryce this year is that I think it's worth the risk because one, I don't really like the quarterbacks that come later. Like, yeah, there there's some like hype for like JJ. I, I don't know. I I'm not the guy that like that goes against JJ because his volume was small. I just don't know if his throws are repeatable, and that's what I'm worried about. So and even, it, even JJ, like let's call JJ the best of that group. Keep trade cut voters don't even value JJ McCarthy at the level that they value Bryce Young at. But they value yeah. the pick that you have to use to get him equal. So even just that is pure profit. But with that being said, though, I think Another thing, even if you want to talk JJ and Bryce, is that Bryce is going to start next year. And that's pretty much a certainty unless Bryce completely blows it up in camp. So you're at least getting a starter. Yeah. And we know how ugly quarterback gets like down the line. I understand that you can you can find your bakers and guys like that that will overplay their draft position. That'll happen. But it's hard to predict a lot of years. And there's a lot of times you're gonna, you know, get stuck with Kenny Pickett as your QB three. Where instead of instead of that, maybe you trade your one ten and you make Bryce your QB three, and then you can either reap the benefits of him growing, or he's not actually negatively impacting your lineup because you don't have to play him. I I'm very much this year of the of the thought that I'm moving these late firsts for multiple seconds or future firsts. I actually did. I I said I was gonna wait until the draft, but I actually was able to pull one off. In one of my leagues, I traded the 108 for the 202 and 203, which gives me a lot more opportunity at some dart throws at some guys that I probably like better than the two or right around the 202, 203 value. But I can now take shots on both where I don't have to reach out one of them at the 108 or something like that. So I agree. I think that this is a situation in which you're probably underpaying for potential. It was ugly, so there are signs that it might not work out. But that's the that those are the areas in which you take risk. You know, we shoot for upside to begin with in the early parts of the draft. We shoot for studs, difference makers, because those are the people that actually are going to win you leagues because most everyone else is replaceable. And then you try to find values. And I think this could be one of those because I agree that you should be paying around the 110 for them. Now, when we talked on our prior episode, you're talking about like 105. That's just to me, it's too much of an area that's um I I sh- I want to clarify for anybody who did not watch that episode. It was Bryce Young plus a good kicker yeah, no, I, for I'm the not, 105. I don't mean I it just that want way. To cl- I, just, I know. I just want to clarify for anybody who missed that episode, which you shouldn't. You should go listen to it. It was great. Yeah, it was probably one of my favorite episodes we've done. But I think the more or less when we're, we're getting to that point that 
we're not moving what would be a difference maker for someone that isn't. We're taking the risk that someone could be where, you know, you could draft a Troy Franklin at like 110. But I mean, how many how many times have we seen that profile flame out? So we, many times. And, and again, you can. And also, why draft a Troy Frank, Franklin at 110 when I can get a Donnie Mitchell at 2-4? It's well, just that's super thing, similar profiles. This class is so deep that you can probably find a wide receiver that somewhat matches that same profile. And. You know, who knows if Franklin even falls in a good spot and things like that. So I'm not, this isn't a, this isn't a, just to talk on Trey Franklin, just like that's where he's, that's the current like position that I've been seeing. So I would rather risk the quarterback just because it's more of a finite position, more of a finite group. And you're not going out and you're not trading for a 35 year old quarterback like Russell Wilson with this, this pick. You're taking a chance on a 22 year old quarterback. And I just want to, before we switch over to ourselves for the week, I just want to quickly point out something that you said. You talked about the quarterbacks overperforming their their draft pick. Who are the two most recent examples of quarterbacks who extremely overproduce based on their draft capital? Are we talking from startups or? Because I would say I would say Baker. Baker last year. Goff. But who the year prior? I would say Goff. It wasn't Goff. Who am I missing? Geno Smith. Oh, for sure, dude. And yeah, guess How who? I forget about Geno. Guess who was the quarterback coach for both Geno Smith and then the offensive coordinator? Oh, baby, for let's Baker go! Mayfield, oh, I love it. Dave love Canales, it. who is now the head coach of the Carolina it. Panthers. So, I'm not saying he's going to do what he did by turning a guy who sucked for seven years in the NFL and then made him have a top five fantasy season and then have another guy who showed some promise but then showed a lot of not promise and then suddenly had a really good year in the NFL. I'm not saying. He's going to turn, you know, Bryce Young into a top five fantasy quarterback. But if he can turn Bryce Young into a top 18 fantasy quarterback, you're going to be happy that you spent the 110 on that because top 18 fantasy quarterbacks are top four round startup picks and are going to get moved for multiple firsts. It's a low risk investment, in my opinion, on an upside swing of a 22 year old quarterback. So let's let's stop being positive on guys. All right, let's get some negativity. <laughs> into the chat here. Give me yourself for this week. I got to go with Isaiah Pacheco. He's 74 overall wired our running back 13. I just don't get why that it's such a high rank for a running back to me that has such a floor of, you know, eight, six points a week. If he doesn't find the end zone, I understand he's had some good weeks, but we also saw that six week stretch. That was just ridiculous in terms of matchups. Now, he did perform pretty well in the playoffs. We have points of 15, 18, 18, and 13. But that's with a team with nearly no receivers, no weapons, not even really backup running backs. And I think that this team gets deeper. I think that they have the ability to uh, kind of play with the cap this year, especially depending on what happens. I don't remember if MVS is a free agent this year or if he's in his last year. But that's what 12 to 14 million dollars too much for MVS. That so you have the opportunity to get rid of that contract, create even more flexibility, go sign some more wide receivers. So I think that this might be his best stretch of his career. Mm-hmm. Now, was it a good one? Was it one that you definitely wanted if you were in a, a playoff contender and you you know had the opportunity to play him in a lot of situations? Yeah, most likely. Now, um, what yeah, he most likely won your leagues 25, 21, 10, 28. So there's opportunity there for him to do some nice things. So there might be that that hangover from mm-hmm. this year's production. But I'm not buying this year's production. I'm trying to play for next year. And I think that next year, the role might even shrink a little bit. The usage might shrink a little bit. He might become way more touchdown dependent, which 
he's really not that great of a touchdown scorer currently. So the lot would have to change in his favor where I understand that KC just won the Super Bowl. So they, the argument could be like, well, they might just think that they don't have to add anyone, but they, struggled. they know they have to, they, they, they were like eight and six at one point or, or like 10 and six at one point. It wasn't like super, yeah, it wasn't they were, super KC. It was, it was the lowest amount of wins that Patrick Mahomes has had uh, that they've had during the Patrick Mahomes era. Um, they were a three seed, which I don't think they had been lower than a one seed or a two seed maybe. So this is like the lowest seeding that they've had in playoffs in recent memory. So like this KC team knows that they are not, I don't want to say they got lucky for their Super Bowl win because if Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, you're never getting lucky, but like they recognize what their deficiencies were and they recognize that with Kelsey aging, you can't get away with not having talented pass catchers around there. And um, I, I fact-checked the the MVS thing. He is still under contract for next year, but they can save $12 million, um, either cutting him pre-June 1 or post-June 1. It's the same cap savings either way. So they can free up $12 million in cash, which Gabe Davis would be a better option for this offense than MVS is because Marquez Valdez-Scantling is like the worst possible version of Gabe Davis. <laughs> Something else, too, is they smashed their their defensive picks the last three years in the draft. So they have defensive players on cheap contracts, young defensive players. So this is their window. It's, it's like the second coming of not having to pay a quarterback. And I know that he's Mahomes is getting paid a ton, but it gives them way more flexibility. They're not having to go out and sign, you know, a bunch of defensive players just to fill yeah. or to become competitive. They they had a great defense this year. They only have seven guys on the entire team who's who have a cap hit larger than five million dollars this year. And this, the eighth guy, the eighth highest cap hit is Harrison Butker, their kicker. Like, <laughs> this is a team that realistically is in a really good spot to compete for the next few years, even with Mahomes having a $58 million cap hit, because one, the cap is going to expand every single year moving forward. And if they can finally start hitting on some of these offensive draft picks or they put some emphasis on the offense, which... They had a top five defense last year. Like they're not going to change a ton. And yes, like I know Chris Jones is going to get paid a lot more than he did this year. So he's going to come up on the cap as well. But like they, they have enough flexibility there. Like if you restructure Justin Reed and you uh, cut MVS and restructure Joe Thune, like you can save yourself a quick $25 million right there. And something else, I'm not sure that, that Jones is coming back because it almost sounded like that he played his last game in KC when they were talking in the Super Bowl. So he, when he was at the the parade, he was like, see you next year. Okay. okay. It was basically like his Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street. I'm not leaving moment. <laughs> so even, but even so, like you said, like they have a, a ton of options to add really young talent. And that's where, like, I like Pacheco. I have him ranked as running back. Where did it go? I just moved him. I should know this off the top of my head. I'm at 17. So like it's still in a range of like really talented players. And like I would probably prefer to have Pacheco as a teardown than a lot of the guys that I have ranked ahead of him. But like I can't fathom saying that there are only 12 running backs who I would rather roster than Pacheco, who, like you said, may have just had the best season that he'll ever have. And was still only running back 14 in points per game. Well, and something too, like the, I just want to, in addition to this, right, he's going off at 74, which is a 702, right? So tell me this, how is it possible that 
you at 702 can look at that running back list if you're doing if you're doing a startup and say this is when I need to take a running back. This is the scenario in which Pacheco is my guy that has to come off the board. When you have better running backs behind him, you definitely still have wide receivers on the board that will score more points. So it just doesn't it doesn't even make sense to me where uh, he's being ranked as like a value because yeah. he's not a value at that is that is that position. There's like David Montgomery was he Pacheco was the running back 14 in points per game. David Montgomery was the running back 15 in points per game and is going off the board over 30 picks later. And yes, he's a little bit older, but, and I know Pacheco's only in his second year in the league, but he came into the league older. Pacheco is going to be a 24 year old this upcoming season. Like he's not super, super young. Whereas a guy like David Montgomery, like this team is running it back. It, I only really think about running back in one year samples anyway, because I think if we accept the injury rate of running backs, it's asinine to think any longer than two years at most. Like, do I still think David Montgomery can be Montgomery can be a productive running back in his specific role in his specific offense for two more years? hundred percent. I'll sacrifice the half point per game to draft him four rounds later. If it means I'm gonna get a better, if I'm if it means I'm gonna get a Stefan Diggs, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams in round seven. Yeah. Doing it every time. And that comes from a guy who really likes Pacheco. He was one of my favorite sleeper targets in that draft, as he was most JWB guys. But it's just we don't hate players, we hate prices. And running back 13 is just too rich of a price for him. So speaking of a guy who is too rich of a price. I think you and I may argue a little bit this one. And this isn't this isn't even a guy that I necessarily have too far off of his keep trade cut ranking. Uh he's currently the wide receiver 21 on keep trade cut. I have him as wide receiver 25, so it's not like I have a drastic difference between these two guys. But again, it's just the caliber of player that I can trade him for. And this guy is Jordan Addison. And I know we've talked about Addison a little bit when we've talked about some other players in the past, but I really like just want to do a quick dive onto what Jordan Addison's season looks like, not only just this season, but what his future outlook looks like. So Jordan Addison, as we know, first round draft pick to Minnesota, but they have Justin Jefferson, they have TJ Hawkinson. They're going to add a running back. I don't know if it's going to be in this draft class or through free agency or what it's going to be, but Addison this year, 18% target share fine not great it's fine uh it's fine <laughs> it's fine like it's it's fine it's it's in a range where it's like it, that's the, that was the 43rd highest target share in football so it's a solid wide receiver too solid wide you know he's in the top if you think about it 32 teams in the nfl each of them has a wide receiver one he's in the top third of wide receiver twos in terms of earning targets he ran a ton of routes. He was 12th in routes run amongst wide receivers. Um, was that number a little bit higher because of the injuries? Probably because if you look specifically, like he really took a jump up in, in snap share after Justin Jefferson got hurt. Um, but, you know, there was just, he was efficient. He, he had, you know, good yardage, uh, yardage totals, yards per reception, all solid. But again, yards per out and run. He really wasn't super efficient. He was a big play merchant. Early in the season, he got some more volume when Jefferson was out. And then when Jefferson came back, he went right back to being a big play merchant. Like we're, we're talking about 
I'll just keep using Gabe Davis as an example. Like he's talented Gabe Davis in that aspect. Like I think he's a far better route runner, has far better hands, a far better target runner than Gabe Davis. But you're stuck behind Justin Jefferson. And yes, we don't know what the contract situation is going to look like. Minnesota is going to be the dumbest team alive if they let Justin Jefferson go. Just flat out. Like you have one of the best wide receivers we've seen in recent memory. If you let him go, if you don't lock him up long term, you the the OC or not OC, the GM needs to just be immediately fired. Just if he suggests to anybody that they're not going to resign Justin Jefferson, just fire him immediately in that meeting, whenever it happens. You have TJ Hawkinson, who's done nothing but earn a ton of targets at the tight end position every step of his career. If Kirk Cousins isn't the quarterback, if they do go to a more mobile quarterback, that's going to be less targets. If they have a mobile quarterback who's not throwing the ball 700 times a year, it's going to be even less targets, which means his efficiency is going to have to improve. And not to say that it can't, but when you're telling me that I can immediately, in this very moment, flip Jordan Addison for, if I'm a running back needy team, a Kyron Williams or a Devon A. Chan, both guys that I personally value higher than Jordan Addison, or even at the wide receiver position, that's in the exact same range as Michael Pittman, Tank Dell, Rasheed Rice, T. Higgins, Zay Flowers, uh, DK. Like these are all guys that are right there. Or I can go and get myself a quarterback if I'm a quarterback needy team, and I can get myself a Bryce Young. I can get myself a Jared Goff if I want. If I'm you know a little bit more competitive, I can get my like even if you go farther down the list. Like I prefer Debo Samuel to Jordan Addison. I, it's gross, but upside wise, like I don't think Jordan Addison is going to have league winning weeks for you with Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson healthy. It's going to be very, very rare that it happens just off of he's going to have to score two fluke 60 plus yard touchdowns to really have like a truly impact week. Um, you can go down like you can go get yourself a Travis Kelsey if you want a, a, an old elite tight end. Like Stefan Diggs, like if you, there's just so many pivots off of Jordan Addison that makes so much sense. And those last like four names I said are going to have a sizable plus on top of it to go to an older player because of the youth that Addison provides you. So I think the market, and I've seen him ranked as high in some people's ranks as like wide receiver 11. And it's just absolutely bananas to me. Like there's just no world where that makes sense. So for me, I only imagine his market getting more and more favorable towards him. But I just prefer so many players that are ranked behind him. And I, we know I'm a Jordan Addison guy. I say anybody who makes Kenny Pickett look like he can play football. I'm a fan of that player. Jordan Addison is just not in the best position for his value long-term. So if I can get out now before the value dips and then reacquire later on once Justin Jefferson is a little bit older or once TJ Hawkinson is a little bit older or Addison moves to a new team and is, gets the opportunity to be the one there. There's just too many pivots that make sense in my head where I worry with Jordan Addison, we're going to play the Terry McLaurin game of like the upside is there. He just needs this, this, and this to go right to get there. And I'd rather roster Terry McLaurin plus a little something than Jordan Addison right now. Bro, you're a hater. Might be. You're a hater. I, I, I don't know somebody who hates while praising somebody as much as I do. Because it happens all the time. Hater. Hater. I think that this this conversation comes down to what tier do you have him in? And I don't mean it, oh, he's in my tier three. He's in my tier four. No, it's what receivers that you have in that same tier. 
yeah. and how you want to navigate those tiers. Now, I'll say this. The Vikings are about to be the kings of the mid if they don't re-sign uh, Justin Jefferson and decide it's the same time that they're going to just let Kirk Cousins go. Not saying that they, they have to sign Kirk Cousins, but if you don't have a clear succession plan, if you're just going to go at this offseason, like whatever happens, happens. And if you're going to go into this offseason as like Jaron Hall's our guy. <laughs> or not even that. Like, hope, you, hope you're ready for a top five pick next year. If they don't have a plan of either trading up and, and securing a top five pick like soon, or they have a QB that's going to hit free agency, maybe maybe they like Russ. I'm not saying that's good, but it, it, they have to have a plan. If they don't have a plan, they, they don't deserve Justin yeah. Jefferson, to be honest with you. I will say this. I understand and appreciate some of the stats and things that Addison put up this year, but I also understand how crappy the quarterback play was for a majority of the season. So I don't even want to look at like his target numbers. There's games where he had three, four. Um, there was one where he played 58% uh, percent of the snaps. So like, I understand that there's a situation where he might not have that opportunity to produce high level points. And I agree with you because I preach upside. Now, personally, I think that Jordan Addison is like, I say this a lot. And I, I mean this in a way that I'm not saying he's a top 12 wide receiver, but I think the way he plays is prototypical for the way most teams want to find a wide receiver two, or, you know, if they can find a, a wide receiver three through the draft that does these similar things. I think this is how the NFL is going to run in a lot of, a lot of situations. Obviously you have your Jeffersons, you have your chases, the ones that truly are game breakers. You have your AJ Browns, Tyreek Hill, you have those guys that they just do things differently Mm -hmm. But for everyone else, I think Jordan Addison's play style is like what teams are going to be looking for. But once again, if we're talking ceiling, I completely understand your position because the idea is that we're we're moving something that is valuable or overvalued to find something that is less valued or produces better to win games and to win leagues. So I completely understand your position right now. And I'm about to do some more updates with my with my my ranks. But right now, he's my wide receiver 15. And I have him in a pretty large tier. So I can understand navigating that tier either up or down to try to find more. Or if I jump tiers, going going back and getting a bunch more on top, maybe I get a, a nice pick that either I'm able to take shots at a, a quarterback or even one of the running backs. I think second-round running backs this year could be fun because they don't cost much. And we just don't know exactly who's going to get what role yet. Mm -hmm. But... With that being said, there's not a lot of guys below him that I'm like, I want to trade this 22-year-old wide receiver for. And and I, I mean that in the sense that either they, they haven't proven to have better ceiling or they're older and they're, they're out of that realm of total difference maker. Where, yeah, Jordan Addison may not be a difference maker every week, but if we just look at some of his, his points this year, he had 29 in the game. He had 15. 21, 31, 18, 16, and 16. That's pretty useful for a 22-year-old wide receiver. Now, I understand Justin Jefferson's going to get the majority of, of the looks. He's going to be the first read. And because he's so good, he's going to be open on probably 75% of those where you can take a shot to him. So I get that. But there's also opportunity for me, in my opinion, that Jordan Addison can be that sneaky number two that breaks coverage easily gets chunk yardage yeah he might be that guy that, that has to get a lot of his yardage on chunk plays but that also can happen inside the red zone so i'm with you in in the in the position that if we can go find a guy that scores more points we do that every time 
but I want to make sure that we do it adequately to our market as well as our own ranks. Whoever, right. you know, I'm whoever the, the audience is that's listening to this, you should really be sticking to your ranks. Obviously, if you want to look at ours, maybe it influences yours, but you have to be true to your own board at the end of the day. Otherwise, you are never going to be satisfied with the moves that you make. So in, in that essence, I agree with you. But Jordan Addison, I'm a little bit more, I want to hold on or I want to try to acquire more at a cheaper price. Problem is the price isn't that cheap right now. Yeah, I I think like I recognize the upside. M my biggest issue is how like, again, just how big of a step forward can they make his highest? He did have that wide receiver one week in week 15 with Justin Jefferson healthy, but he had one of the eight games that they played together. Let me make sure my math is right. Sorry. They played 10 games together in those 10 games. The number of times that Jordan Addison out-targeted Justin Jefferson was one. With Kirk Cousins at quarterback, a healthy Justin Jefferson, a healthy TJ Hawkinson, a healthy Jordan Addison, Addison averaged 5.8 targets a game. It's just, I recognize the like potential game-breaking ability, but I feel like he's going to fall into that Gabe Davis area where it's like, He's on your team, so he kind of has to be in your lineup, but then you put him in your lineup for three weeks, and then you get the three weeks that are like zero points, seven, or like this three-week stretch is a, a better example, 7.4, 9.9, 4.7. So you get the weeks like that. It's coming down to the crunch time. That was weeks um, 11, 12, and 14, so like right fringe playoff time, or you're like, depending on your league, fringe playoff time plus round one of the playoffs or uh, a leading into the playoffs where his game of 29.1 his week his wide receiver one week he was on your bench anyway i just i do not like building my team around those types of players versus a guy like uh guys that like i just said on keep trade cut that are currently ranked lower than him like a zay flowers who throughout the season with other healthy options um or other options that you know like mark andrews wasn't healthy but isaiah likely took on the Mark Andrews role and was really successful in it at, at the same time. Like he earned progressively more targets throughout the year. He became a bigger part of the offense. Rasheed Rice came in, didn't really play a ton to begin the year, earned a really big role in that offense, was a really important part of their playoff run. Like those guys are in that range. Uh, a Tank Dell being below him, like Tank Dell, again, came out of nowhere. Phenomenal year there, which also means like Nico Collins is right in this range too. Michael Pittman, you know, guys that we know can earn targets and be successful options. Like there's just too many pivots that make sense for me in terms of overall volume while still getting some of that game breaking ability. And, and that's why it's easy for me to sell Jordan Addison at current cost. Like again, it, this could blow up in my face, but I doubt it. Hey, you targeted Justin Jefferson one in 10 weeks. So you're saying there's a chance. Hey, hey. And that one <laughs> hey. week, let me just make sure I quote it right. I, I want to make sure I have the right number of targets. While you look, um, I, I, we should, we should bring up Zay Flowers as a, as someone that you should target because you probably, if based on the news, if the owner is looking to get out, um, this would probably be the best time when the iron strikes. Don't send a crappy offer. Because all you're going to do is build a reputation that you send crappy offers for team for for bad league news, and that's the worst position to be in. Because no matter what your offer is, then after a while, it's not going to be enough. So yeah. send a good offer if you want to trade for him, but this is probably the best time to do so. 
The only week that he the on, the week that he out targeted him was the week that Justin Jefferson left the game. So you're saying there's a chance. Justin Jefferson played 18% <laughs> of the snaps against Las Vegas at the same number of targets as Jordan Addison. Just saying. Justin Jefferson's pretty good. Pretty good. And, I'm, and I'm really wondering though, do you think that Minnesota signs Kirk Cousins again? I I think I, they, I hope I think they, they should. Have they have to. But I think that there's a lot more rumbling like about him either going somewhere else because I think there's going to be a market for him. I think there's going to be a market for him. I think if he is smart, he recognizes that his best chance to win a Super Bowl is in Minnesota. I, I don't see another landing spot for him that puts him in a more advantageous situation. If you look outside of the teams that have, you know, top picks, because like you're assuming that assume bears go Caleb at one bears out of the equation. Even if they, even if the bears don't go Caleb at one, that means they either traded back to two and are going to take Drake may or Jaden Daniels. And they still have Justin Fields at current moment, Washington. They still have Sam Howell. I don't think Kirk Cousins wants to go back to Washington, even with it being a new ownership group. I think that bridge has sailed for him. And then you're talking like new England, maybe New York, like the giants, the Jets aren't going to sign him. Like I just I don't see a landing spot that makes sense for him. If he's if he's truly trying to win a Super Bowl before his career is done, which I truly I think he is at this point. He may take a little bit. I think he'll take less money to stay in Minnesota to give himself the best chance of winning a Super Bowl. I think it might be fun if he is a Raider. I think that would be being a Viking to a Raider. Who's kidding? I think it would be really fun. I just don't see it happening. I don't see him jumping into any rebuilds, so I doubt he goes New England. So I think I think there's limitations, but I think that the market's going to be pretty warm. I I think he'll get offers. I think he'll get a ton of offers. Even he's probably going to get a ton of calls from teams that'll be like, "Hey, you want to come uh, teach this guy how to play football?" <laughs> but uh, I I don't know. I just I don't see him going anywhere else. So I still imagine like extremely high volume. And that's what gives me a little bit of hope for Addison over the next couple of years is this could be a team that throws the ball. Like they let Nick Mullins throw it 50 times. Like, like this is a team that wants to throw the ball a lot. It's a, it's a McVay offense. They want to throw the ball a lot, but you know, I just, I struggle to, to, to keep my previous hype on Addison. Like where I think I, where I have him ranked, I feel is extremely fair. I think it's almost unfair to Jordan Addison to have him as a top 18 asset. Personally, I think there's just too many good wide receivers and ranking him that high is just setting yourself up for a negative perception of him once he becomes a buy candidate down the road. Because too many people, I'm not saying this is you, you, you're a guy who has him in the top 18, but you're a guy who's smart enough to recognize like this guy is still extremely talented i'm still going to take a shot at a cheaper price i think too many people get stuck in the trap of i ranked this guy super super high he did not succeed and even at a discounted cost i'm not going to take the shot like that's where a lot of people fell like i'm going to use antonio gibson as a quick example of that like myself included i thought he was a top 12 dynasty back he wasn't it didn't work out the way that it would. Uh, it should have, in my opinion. Like his his talent was misused. Whatever you want to say, the excuse is maybe he regressed after his rookie year. But like, there's so many people who ranked him like I did as a top 12 asset that when he was discounted, and you can get him for like RB 40 prices now. They're still like I'm out. Oh and no, I'm, and I'm it's like you my buys. 
Yeah, it's like you you have to you recognize that the talent was there. That's why you ranked him so high. But now the talent is just suddenly gone just because Ron Rivera was his head coach for a few years. Guess what? If Ron Rivera was Justin Jefferson's head coach for a few years, he probably wouldn't have as good enough numbers as he did. I'm just being flat out honest. Like Ron Rivera sucks. He's a shitty head coach. <laughs> and if he was my play, like my favorite player's head coach, like, yeah, it's going to suck. But I, and getting off topic here, but like, I, I'm just afraid that that is going to happen to too many people with Jordan Addison, who I think could have a really, really nice career and continue to develop in the NFL. I just worry that ranking him too high now is going to make too many people fall out of love with him. And I'd rather sell while a bunch of people are still in love with him and then let myself be the one to take advantage of those potential discounts later on. Hey, you might grow some more haters. They just hate the cost so much. They're like, oh, I don't like this guy anymore. No, I get you. Yeah. That's all it boils down to for me. We have oh, I got the tight end one. one and the QB 11. Okay. They are back to back in ranks. 22 and 23. Sam Laporta. Or Kyler Murray, Kyler. I yes. think I, I I have Kyler ranked as a top six quarterback. I, so it's I, like I, I, as much as I love Sam Laporta, tight end is unless you're putting up like prime Travis Kelsey numbers or prime Rob Gronkowski numbers, tight end is not a difference maker position. Unlike quarterback, which is a difference making position, if you can solidify yourself a top quarterback option by trading away the tight end one especially with how talented and how deep tight end is getting like with Evan Engram being like tight end 10 on keep trade cut. Like I talked about a few weeks ago. I'll yeah, I'm making that trade every single time. And then I'm just going to go out and buy Evan Engram. I agree. I think it's uh, I think it's easily Kyler Murray. Now I do like Laporta. He was my sleeper tight end until he went in the second round. It bothers the crap out of me because I have a lot more Laporta, but I agree with you that we are perceiving tight end one too much in the sense that this next tight end is going to produce like the greatest tight ends that we've had in the last recent recent memory. Everybody's brain thinks tight end one, Travis Kelsey production, which was like top five wide receiver numbers without recognizing that there's been like six dudes who have put up those type of numbers ever. Evan Evan Ingram's one of them. I know. I love Evan Ingram. Second, Second most targets ever by a tight end. Just remember. Or second, sorry, second most receptions by tight end ever. My bad. But yeah, so I, I so I am a huge Laporta fan. But I a hundred percent agree that unless the the volume of targets goes up and catches goes up, yes, he does score touchdowns. Yes, he has, does have nice yardage. But is it truly going to be difference making? And I'm not what he's tight end one here. I have no issue with him, you know, being in the top five tight ends or even tight end one. It's the Ability to pivot to a quarterback right now because Kyler's what 23 that's 211. The, the back end of the second round of the startup for Kyler Murray, who shouldn't get out I, of the top 14. I, I will say, in startup practice, I've done three startups this offseason. He's been no, I think the latest he went was 2 4. But yeah, ex- even so, I'm never looking at the board with Kyler Murray on it at any point. If Kyler Murray is on the board and Sam Laporte is on the board, I'm taking Kyler Murray a hundred out of a hundred times, unless I'm getting like seven points, seven point premium on my tight ends. Like, and to talk, like we talked about it a little bit earlier where it's like, you just buy the points. 
Kyler Murray, year one off of an ACL, missed part of the year, had no talented receiving options outside of Trey McBride, put up eight, over 18 points per game. Sam Laporta had 14. It's four points per game, guys. Sign me up. I'm going to give you a three-person this or that. Ooh. These are three extremely similarly priced. They're literally wide receiver 31, 32, and 33. So these are like three wide receivers in a group here. All Good. are all are on the wrong side of 30. I feel one, like Ja Rule from Fast, Fast and Furious right now. One is... Menage. One has... Ja, I just watched that not that long ago, so that's <laughs> extra funny for me. One has just turned 30. He's 30.2 years old. One is 30 and a half years old. And the other one is 31.1 years old. All three of these are the current wide receiver ones on their team. Would you rather Stefan Diggs Devontae Adams or Mike Evans? Adams. I would agree. He's currently 30. He's currently in the middle. He's a wide receiver 32. He's also my favorite of the group. But I, I just wanted to use this as again to just tell people to trade back in the middle rounds and get like these are 82, 87, nine, pick pick 82, pick 87, pick 90. Also, though, they're all buys. Yeah. We're not like, gonna we're not gonna say, officially say that so we have content for episodes later in the offseason. But we're saying it. Say whatever you want to say about Diggs, how he finished the season. Oh, he looks slow now. Superstar wide receivers, even in spurts when they get older, will still have superstar wide receiver games. There's they're just wired different differently. So there's probably still gonna be easily 20 plus point games from Stefan Diggs. And we've we we've already seen it last year for Mike Evans. They're still there. Yeah. These guys are not like you don't put up a hundred near 100 or over 100 receptions, over 1,100 yards, and however many touchdowns they all scored. You don't do that if you are not a talented wide receiver in the NFL. Like, even got, if you're on the decline, you guys who are declining that can still do that, like, Stephon Diggs is going to put up better than wide receiver 31 points per game production for probably two or three more years, minimum. Same with Devontae. In fact, I think Devontae is probably the biggest argument of like this guy's going to be good until he's 40, like Jerry Rice was. And Mike Evans, again, dude just puts up a thousand yards every year. Like it I doesn't. Got, I got duped by Tom Brady. I thought Mike Evans was the problem. It was not. It was not. And I did not get duped. I said it. I was like, there's a disconnect between these two brains. But guess what? Mike Evans still got his thousand yards. See, what I like about this, too, I understand that every market is different. Every league's market is going to be different. But if it truly is that these guys are mid to back end wide receiver threes, if they truly are perceived that way in price, then you really are paying almost nothing for these guys. And I don't mean yeah. it like, oh, it's nothing. But like how many other wide receiver threes are absolutely replaceable when you go down that list that like no one even like smirks at? So if yeah. they're actually perceived in that same realm as those other guys, going to cost you nothing to supplant a flex position your wide receiver three your wide receiver two position with these guys and just dominate you could trade and as we both love this guy but right now you could trade jake ferguson according to keep trade cut you could trade jake ferguson for any of those three wide receivers straight up you, you stop it 
You do it every, I don't care. I love Jake Ferguson. You do it every time. Elite first name. Elite first name. But again, tight, as we just talked about with Laporta, tight end is not a difference maker. We've watched these wide receivers be top 12 wide receivers for the past, what, nine years for something for like a guy like Evans or like six years for Diggs or seven years for like whatever it is. Like we've just watched these guys be elite forever. And we're just hoping that a tight end can do within two points of that and we'll be happy. I just don't see it. But this has been another episode of the Dynasty Digest. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Um, like I, like we've said before, make sure you help us out on that journey to 2,500 subscribers. Help us get there as quick as we can. Make sure you leave a little comment when you do it, too. Like, say subscribe because Jake told me to so that I get a, a monthly bonus so that I can buy some more candles this year. Um, Wait, Tim, you get, you get paid for this? Tim, uh, thank you for joining me. You can find him on Twitter at nubs with two N's and two B's. You can find me on Twitter at Perry underscore FF. And you can find all things JWB at JWB underscore FF. Make sure you check the description down below for our Discord, for our Patreon. I, I did the math in the Patreon. It's like a Chipotle bowl for an entire year worth of extra content and insight and help with your fantasy teams. I could I could skip Chipotle sometimes, especially because their quality is kind of going downhill a little bit. But join the Patreon feeds Jake's feed Jake's kids up a Chipotle bowl year. Yeah, my dogs are getting hungry, guys. I don't have kids. Um, anyways, this has been another episode. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you all in our next episode. Bye.